Welcome to the Discuss and Discuss podcast. Today we'll be talking about the courage to be disliked by, all right, I'm going to give my best shot at this, <laughs> Ichiro Kishimi. And I'm going to struggle with this one so hard. Okay, Fumitaka Take Koga. Ugh. <laughs> I probably butchered that. <laughs> I probably I will give you a six point five out of ten. For, uh, oh, it's because I don't know either. All right. Anyway, so this was actually my suggestion or my recommended reading for this week for for you. And the reason I read this book many moons ago is because I was actually going through a sense of unhappiness because I felt like I was discarding my own needs and wants just so I can please other people. And this is really something that's hard to admit to yourself, like to myself back then or even now. It's, you know, you you want to be seen as like a good person or like you want to help people, but it sucks when you, it becomes resentful because you prioritize other people's needs and it's it hurts you subconsciously. And it's like, it, it comes through your behavior, even though... You can't consciously pick it up. You just know that like something sucks or you're not happy, you're unfulfilled. But this book, it's it offers this Adlerian psychology that's gonna it's a <laughs> it's a different way to look at life, you know, and the ideas aren't absolute. So it is something to just kind of take in for yourself, take the good bits and kind of maybe rework it into into what you value, what you think of it, and hopefully it's a positive impact. But what did you think of the book? I am super glad you suggested this because I'm sure a lot of other people go through the same thing. I feel like I'm the same way. I've gotten a lot of feedback and criticisms in my life as well of being too nice or being a people pleaser. Uh, I can't say no a lot of the times that when people ask me to do something or to go somewhere and yeah so it hit me pretty close to home as well so i hope other people can find it relatable it is a very hefty topic it's a very complex uh discussion that the narrative or sorry the narrator well sorry the authors essentially have in this conversational style of storytelling where they use it to as a vehicle to push this information especially about Adlerian psychology uh, founded by Alfred Adler. <laughs> if you guys are, or if you guys are curious, but yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It speaks about a different way of thinking, which is something that I always strive towards. You know, I love books that challenge me, or you know, sorry, books and other media that challenge me on on thinking of a different way or giving me a new perspective on stuff. And this book definitely did that. It's a great book. I'm glad you recommended it. I can't wait to talk about it. So uh, I'll let you take it away. All right. Let's dive into the first thing that kind of comes up when when we struggle with like people pleasing or discarding our own needs and wants. It's so separating task is difficult to perceive because you so you, your example here is you choose to teach someone and it is their task to retain the information. And that's kind of hard to accept because it's like, wait, aren't you supposed to be like the best teacher or you know like it's your fault like you know if we're going to school or something like that and the teacher is teaching us something it's our task as a student is to learn the information and do the studying and you know be diligent in our workflow to acquire the knowledge so that we can 
take the test uh, and pass it. But if you don't want to acknowledge that, then you're like, oh, it's the teacher's fault for not being a good teacher. Oh, that teacher was like so arrogant, the way they're like condescending or whatever. <laughs> um, this kind of, uh, oh man, it kind of went off the rails a little bit to, to my <laughs> point. <laughs> Dang it. Well, what I want to get at is that when we all have like a job to do and like when when it comes to people pleasing, it's you don't have to help this person per se. Like, dang, do you have a good example in your mind right now? Yeah. So separating of tasks is a interesting place to start because I know I did this a lot in college because I was taking computer science like a lot of our cousins and then we all dropped out that's that's a different story for a different day but <laughs> for some reason i cannot pick up the information and it's a very complex topic computer science and software engineering it's super technical there's a lot to learn right off the bat so the learning curve is very steep and it, i don't know what it was but I, again you know, i was just one of those people even though i was very technically inclined like you know i love computers i'm in it engineering now i couldn't pick up the concept and for the longest time, I blamed the instructors because, you know, I was like, yeah, the way you're explaining it is just like, you're not treating me as a student. You're treating me as a peer who should already understand these concepts. That's why it was so difficult for me to accept the fact that I could not learn those things. After reading this book, it gave me a new perspective on the fact that maybe, you know, in retrospective, it wasn't the teacher. The teacher was just teaching, uh, you know, was just putting out certain points that they had to on the schedule, right? Like I can't, I had to ask myself, did I do the work to try to truly understand the concept? Like, let's just say using binary numbers for, uh, to, to write some kind of program or whatever, or using binary numbers in general, that is still to this day complicated in the, in how you use it to me, like understanding it took a long time and I had to actually do a lot of work outside after I graduated college to understand a lot of software concepts or software engineering concepts. And then I started to realize like, okay, I can self-teach myself to learn in a very specific way. I'm a doer, I'm a visual learner. So I had to do it myself. I had to make mistakes. I had to learn from them. And then again, reading this book and reflecting on those moments, I realized, okay, I could have done this back then. It was up to me to learn the information. They just presented it. So that's, again, a very personal example in this point when I was thinking about it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. that that story helped me out so much because I like lost my train of <laughs> thought on how, on how to like <laughs> talk about this concept. But yeah, I remember where I was going with it as far as the people-pleasing uh, asp uh, aspect, point, yeah. train aspect. of thought. <laughs> <Aspen>? <laughs> aspirin back to the people pleasing thing and this was actually when i was working at a different warehouse like many many moons ago and there i had this coworker that was that didn't want to do certain things like i i like the workspace kind of like nice and tidy and clean and stuff like that so i kind of <clears throat> i like the workspace to be clean so after the shift is getting near the end of the day we start cleaning up and then i you know we tidy the place up but then the my coworker at that time would just like would just be like, oh no, I'm not doing that. Or uh, why? That's not my job. Like he would say these phrases that like really irked me. But 
I would kind of like overwork myself trying to keep this place tidy, mainly because the pre the the main top dog or whatever, the one that owns the warehouse would always complain about like, hey, make sure to have this place clean, you know, because we need a clean workspace for our forklifts and all that stuff. The people pleasing aspect comes in when I have to like overwork myself to make up that effort that my coworker was not bringing just so I can be more socially accepted in some sort of weird messed up way to this big man you know that wants this place clean so then this would be the separation of tasks type of thing where it's like oh okay yeah my coworker already kind of like said it like oh it's not my job or whatever you know you can truly just be like or i could have just been like it's not my job either <laughs> yeah. to, to make it easier on myself but i couldn't sit with that I couldn't be okay with it then, you know, but I can be okay with it now. Be like, yeah, it's a mess, but I'm not going to clean it up. <laughs> this is a really good uh, way to present the the main idea, the main concept behind Illyrian psychology too. So it's great that you bring that up because behind Illyrian psychology and philosophy, sorry, it's it all comes down to our... Let me, let me pull it up so I can say it right. It, all, all problems come down to interpersonal relationship problems. This is the whole thing. Like This is the whole concept of this book the whole shebang. that they touch on <laughs> over and over and over again. Right? It, it's the nail that keeps getting hit because it really wants to get driven home. And you mentioned having a coworker and a boss. So like two different kinds of relationships that you have to handle. And it's our in general, you know, as a, a society, we want to be accepted by a community, a group of people, or even by those closest to us. And we let those relationships drive how we think and how we do things. Boiling every single problem that we have from money to love to whatever it is to respect even, it all those problems boil down to interpersonal relationship problems. And it's such a fascinating concept to try to unravel especially if you're reading this book, it makes you think over and over and over again, like there's no way, right? Uh, one thing that he mentions is, let me look back here, is uh, trauma existing. Like does trauma truly exist? It, it's a bewildering statement because there's a reason why people go to therapy. There's a reason why people break those things down. And to really boil it back, everything that you've experienced and all the traumas that you have in life boils down to the relationships that you've had. Uh, it also, he also presents the fact that our present and our future does not matter. It may seem like it drives you to a certain goal. However, your past and your future does not define who you are currently. Those are all such wide topics to try to talk about and try to understand. And it's so it, it, when it boils down to relationships and you boil it down to those kinds of things, it kind of opens your mind up to like, whoa, okay, why am I thinking about doing things a certain way? And I love that you bring that up with your coworker and your boss because it's it's about those relationships. Well, yeah, let's begin with the first thing that you brought up right there. Does trauma exist? Like, do you agree with that? <laughs> it is a tough thing. It's very difficult to grasp because I do believe trauma exists. But trying to think in the way that they're presenting the idea that trauma does not exist, it's, it's from what I understand, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's, I don't know, we'll see. Trauma, uh, it may have happened to you, and it is in the past, 
But once the past is now the past, <laughs> it no longer matters. It's up to you to on whether or not it defines who you are now. And that's what I took it as, is that even though, again, people have hurt you in the past or you've had a very traumatic experience, you don't have to let that define you. That's what I took it as. I don't know if you kind of agree with that. I do agree with that because you can definitely lock yourself in the past of trauma and then be like, we can kind of get into it a little bit later when we talk about inferiority complex. It's almost like you trap yourself in that trauma and then you hate the world or whatever and you do have like a sad type of like aura about you or like depressed or like you know like i want to say woe is me i don't i don't even know if that's the right expression it's just we see so many times in today especially today that people do overcome these traumas and find success that they they take that pain or suffering or whatever and they transmute it into success <laughs> but they're not they're not crying about their trauma no more it's like they took it as a place of fuel or like power you know they empower themselves with that trauma by pretty much just using it as energy it's not like hey it didn't happen it did happen but i'm gonna make a change you know i can be different or i can overcome or I can bring greater value out of this. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's such an, a fascinating concept to try to break down because we hear it every single time. And, you know, in other psychology um, ideals, you are who you are because of your past. I used to say all the time, you are a product of your environment, the thing that you came from and stuff. And so this challenged that idea. It, it presented the fact that, again, your traumas don't matter, your traumas don't exist neither does your past or your future. So don't worry about those things. And a lot of these concepts in Illyrian psychology uh, and philosophy kind of blend to together as well, which is really nice. And the next one, which again, blends into this one, is the fact that people can change whenever they want to. It's just whether or not you choose to. And that is a tough pill to swallow. Oh my like, god! The fact that you can change and let go of your past is difficult, super difficult. It's easy for some people, but in general, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to say that my traumas do not matter. It is in the past and the past no longer exists. I can change and I will change right now. Especially you when you're so, ever. yeah, especially when you're so sad and locked in your own past. Like how many times have you tried to help someone that is struggling and you see that they're struggling and you see that they're super, super sad and like overcome by, by something and you try to offer a hand, you try to like help them so dang much, but they don't take that help, you know, they don't take that lending hand because they're not ready to see it as like an opportunity of change because they don't, they don't want to change themselves. And they don't like, it's really hard to say because how do you even admit that out loud to yourself when, you, you know, when you're not ready? Like, how do you tell someone that like you want to suffer? <laughs> yeah. Know what I mean? <laughs> And it's a subconscious thing too. The thing, the thing that this book does really well is again presents all these ideas in a conversational style. So, we have the older uh, philosopher with the younger man who's kind of dealing with these things, and the younger man is is always so passionate to go against these ideals that the philosophers presenting. And I really appreciate that they do that because the same thing he says that. I'm this way because of my past, because my parents treated me this way. And because 
I'm always treated a certain way, right? And he says, I cannot change right now, whatever. And the philosopher comes out and says, you can, you just choose not to. You just think that because uh, you are who you are right now is just easier to do. Change is hard. And that's yeah. like the whole thing that's presented with this. And it bre- it breathes new life to the phrase, uh, people, people like you can't help people who don't want to be helped. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking about that through a lot of, you know, in, in this portion of the book, because it's so true. Like anyone it's, can change. It is difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah. And it hurts to even say that the fact that it comes out so simple like that hurts because you want a yeah. more complex answer. Like you want to be like, I'm this way because of this. But like <laughs> just like a straight bullet fact right there is like you can change. You just need to want it for yourself, too. And, and tough pill to swallow, just like you said, just like you when I first read this book. It's just a small thing, but I have to pause it just so I can reflect on like all the moments of my life and be like, geez, geez, is this true? You know, and you don't want it to be true because if you admit it to be true, it's almost like you finally acknowledging with yourself that you've been sabotaging yourself, preventing you from, I don't know, growing as a person or from happiness or, you know, everything <laughs> that there is to to find fulfillment i guess yeah it's again we're not the, the funny iron like the, the funny irony behind this all is the fact that we as a society nowadays want instant gratification instant results the funny thing here is that he's presenting a simple concept that's easy to implement right away if you truly think about it you can change right now for example, if you want to change up your lifestyle and you've been eating unhealthy and you know, you're know you overweight, stuff like that, it's difficult to make the choice. However, it technically in concept is easy to make a change. You could just choose not to eat that junk food and go to something a little bit healthier. You can go out for a walk, stuff like that, you know, like small incremental changes that results in, you know, major results and everything. So those small changes is technically what he's talking about. You don't have to change everything and flip a 180 from your viewpoint right away. Not everyone can do that. Some people may. However, anyone can change and take those small steps forward is essentially what he's trying to get at. And I truly appreciate this point. Like it's something that resonated with me pretty heavily in the book. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just makes you think like, <laughs> what are all the, the times I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Because again, it's easier to stay the way we are. Yeah, you juggled a, uh, a memory, and it was like the beginning of this year. I used to not really make my bed, but then for for some reason at the beginning of this year, I started to make my bed, and it's like these small behavioral changes that is adding to my productivity. I don't know if like making my bed actually like increases productivity. I can't really scientifically prove anything, <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of similar to what you're saying or to what you brought up earlier about how there isn't a past and future which reminds me of, okay, cool. That means we need to be proactive in the present. So like I've been making my bed more, but then it's also led to us making this podcast, not because of my bed or whatever. (laughs) But the fact that like we're so proactive in the moment, like, oh, we should start a podcast. Oh, yeah, why not? (laughs) That's exactly how it went down to you guys. We were like, man, we're so sick of like, I don't, know, I don't know, like, we were just so sick of where we're at for a second. Let's just start a podcast. 
So, all right, let's do it. All right, what do we got to do? Then we re- research it. And then a week later, we started our first episode, essentially. Yeah, it's it's changing small, tiny moments in your life to kind of create a behavior that's going to make what you want happen. <laughs> so, like, I would make my bed and... Sorry. <clears throat> got to count enough, you know? Got to clear, <laughs> clear the pipes a little bit. So, I wake up really early in the morning, and then it's making my bed, brushing my teeth, and then I go to the gym, eat breakfast, and then go to work. And it's like, I have a whole process for the day already. And then by the time I get home, it's like, make sure I eat and then start editing and like working on this podcast, you know, like planning. It's, I guess I'm just reiterating your statement of make sure to make tiny changes in your behavior to get after this new change that you want. Yeah. And that's us adding a little bit more definition to it too, because the way the philosopher presents it is essentially it's just overall just you can't change that's it you can change (laughs) i want to add that those changes can be small it doesn't have to be big it doesn't have to do it doesn't have to be 180 like mentioned before so just to add that in there and then uh just move it's just to add a little bit more into the mix of this is emotions like anger and happiness are just fabrications of us wanting to stay in our plateau if you will like people get angry and choose moments to be angry because they find it easier to yell about their problems than to solve them a good example i think you have a really good one that i don't know if uh, i think you told in the past i don't know if you want to bring that up which one are you referencing <laughs> uh i guess like just like waiting in line and like hoping someone like steps on your toes you, you, so you can yell at them and berate them or something. oh i gotcha yeah it's like pent up feelings and it's it's something that you don't want to admit to yourself that, that you want to solve it's so <laughs> we're gonna just dive right into what i've been struggling with <laughs> so, <laughs> all right so i have this it's at work we have a new partner and there are so many times where I just want to like blow up or like release this inner feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but if I take a step back and look at myself and be like, why am I getting upset? Why, why do I want to like take, take it out on him? It's because I'm not satisfied with where I am or I'm not fulfilled with my position. Therefore, I'm upset. So it's like... I'm upset with where I am. Uh, it could be life, but to kind of go further into it, it's like, oh, I'm upset with uh, my career or my my job. I want to replace my job. So then every time there's a complication at work, it's like a buildup of annoyance or frustration. And then we can get, <laughs> we can definitely dive in deeper here later. But that would just be the main point of it. Like I can definitely get angry but it's the problem is more interpersonal relationship (laughs) oh here we go (laughs) here we go (laughs) rather than oh yeah i'm just angry or you know unhappy and to yell at somebody all right it's another very difficult concept to try to take in because anger and unhappiness are very natural feelings Mm mm-hmm and when we say that it's a fabrication, it's more so that when you are faced in a, with a situation and it involves someone else and you know, let's say you had a bad day, you want someone to push your buttons or you want a moment where you can uh, create an outburst so that way you can release that energy. However, Illyrian philosophy 
says that you don't have to yell. You don't have to find those moments. And of course, you could be frustrated. You could be stressed. Those are all fine. But we choose to yell. We choose to, again, try to berate or, you know, you, you see it all the time, like uh, people who get road rage and they stop and get out of the car and escalate the situation when most of the time it's just them going through a certain situation, right? Uh, it's the whole metaphor of their cup is filled to the brim with whatever it was that's going on on that day that week and that one moment is finally what overfills the cup and everything comes out and you know there's an outburst and stuff so you can again choose to control those moments and it's difficult and we're not saying it's easy but you (laughs) can choose not to yell you can choose to try to understand and discuss those things and again the book does a good job because the young man goes it has a lot of outburst moments and has moments that he are frustrated and the philosopher tries to bring him back all the time to say like hey i see that you're angry i see that you're mad let's talk about it let's let's you know discuss the whole situation because another concept out there that i'm sure people have heard is that it's not a me versus you problem it's an us versus the the issue at hand i think that's essentially what's uh they're trying to get out here as well. I'm um, not sure if I heard that one before. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> well, adding some more pieces of hey, information. And, throw know, it in there. <laughs> throw it in the brainstorm. <laughs> uh, but it, I think in other like self-help books too, they kind of address this without actually saying or referencing Adlerian psychology. You know that thing where it's like, hey, if you're upset or in a moment or something, just close your eyes, take a deep breath, count to five. And it's like, in a way... You're calming your emotions to kind of take a back, uh, step back to reflect and be like, hey, is this worth it? Or like, you know, all that stuff. In my example, I was just going deeper into my own self-analysis. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it was diagnosed correctly. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know. <laughs> For, okay. I guess we'll, we'll go straight into it. <laughs> Inferiority complex is an interesting thing. Because when I first heard about this, I thought it was only one thing or the other, you know? But in this book, you pretty much can't really talk about inferiority complex without mentioning superiority complex because they are actually, like, the same. (laughs) Ah, dang. Before, I I don't want to go into my, like, vent yet. You have to say something first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So inferiority complex, this is one that... It's another point that hits home because uh, me being short all my life is something that is a very good example and is an example that's talked in the book. I'm 5'4". I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm okay with it now, but as a kid, I hated the fact that I was short. Something that's out of my control and you know, I see people hit what I think is like the the good height, which is like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, I was like, man, I, that's all I want to get to. You know, Give me an extra few inches like on height, but the thing around that is and something that you have to ask yourself is why do you feel inferior and you know why do you think this quality of yourself is inferior so for me again as an example is my height and it's only when i compare it to other people that's why it's an excuse these are things that are out of my control the thing is i can just accept them again i have now as again it's just the cards that we are dealt does not mean that it's better or worse and of course, you know, like this society is very difficult because it's based off of physical appearances, blah, 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 blah. We can go into that in a different day. But 
superiority and inferiority complex is are just all excuses to try to compare yourself to other people and what they have and or what they don't have it's all what you perceive yourself to be in comparison to others is a, is what i'm getting at with these complexes that's why we tend to use it against other people why we tend to use it against ourselves and it hurts us it it never helps that's why it's just an excuse it's important to remember that it's a difficult concept and a lot of people don't even want to admit that they have an infer- inferiority or even a, support, a superiority complex. It's something that you really have to sit with yourself, ask yourself, what do I feel bad about? Why do I feel bad about it? And is there a reason uh, as to where it stemmed from? And again, all of it boils down to our fact, the fact that we have uh, interpersonal relationship problems and we tend to compare ourselves to other people dude yeah so especially when you feel intellectually challenged like when you when someone makes you feel stupid and this definitely happened a lot to me growing up it's like dang i feel stupid and it's sure from the get-go you feel inferior because of what you know or maybe a lack of education or whatever so then this drives me into like this corner of oh, okay, now I had to kind of like puff out my chest or like kind of inflate my my uh, ego or inflate myself to the point where I need to come off superior. So then using bigger words or like it's almost berating, maybe it is berating like heavily verbally to make the other person feel stupid and it comes off as condescending or arrogant or something like that. Just so I can regain this feeling of not inferior anymore (laughs) but i just remember that as a moment from when i was like uh growing up in like elementary school because as a first gen (laughs) american (laughs) yeah we don't really know that much stuff so then when people talk to us about american culture and stuff like that it's i feel stupid because it's like we grew up with asian people asian parents and (laughs) family there's no way i know what this is like I didn't know what Star Wars was or Back to the Future or or these expressions, two peas and then pod and all this stuff. I didn't know any of that. I remember that I had like an English class and it was about like expressions and stuff like that. And I remember failing two peas in a pod because I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt stupid. But just, you know, driving another point home with inferiority. <laughs> There's yeah. more complex, deeper stuff that we can get into, but. It's hard. It's another thing that they point out that, again, it challenges your ideas about it and it plays off the facts. It plays off of your insecurities mainly. This is why there's an inferiority, a superiority complex. It's just, it's always something about an insecurity. And insecurities stem from the fact that, again, you know, we've had a traumatic experience in the past with someone else. And if you take all those moments out, again, trauma does not exist. Uh, you're only using inferiority, your inferiority and superiority complex as an excuse. If you take all that and understand that those don't exist and you shouldn't let that drive your life, this creates the ideal Illyrian philosophy of how to be happy and stuff like that. So it sucks because it also, it, it sucks to try to understand because it's it goes against everything that society nowadays instills in you at a very young age especially school again you get bullied 
you hear a lot about the fact that, you know, if you get higher grades, you do better in life type of stuff. Like a lot of that doesn't matter. Uh, and the only way to truly be happy is to deny the desire for recognition and to stop satisfying other people's expectations. Like that, again, we hear it all the time, but it's such a complex concept to really live through and, and try to push out and, you know, again, it's just because we have relationships with everyone. <laughs> we want other people to be happy. And a lot of the times, again, us being people pleasers, we push down our own feelings, our own wants, so that other people can have what they want. And we can give them that certain amount of happiness while we, I don't know, like uh, push down ours. Yeah, like a lot of these concepts, you mentioned school and education, and it, it does happen there. I just find it more resonating when we talk about workplace because that's where it kind of just comes out more or is more common. I remember like a previous job that I had and like these people would always be, they would be having like a, uh, what is it? Dick measuring contest, you know? And it's like yeah. <laughs> this whole inferiority complex fighting each other or, or not like physically fighting each other. Although sometimes it does feel like the the conversation the argument escalates high enough to feel like a physical of physical wow i was gonna say physicality (laughs) (laughs) a physicality excursion is gonna go down it's a physicality competition (laughs) right now but yeah no it it does feel like a fight's gonna happen or something like that due to this dig measuring contest through verbalization and i remember sitting down or not sitting down but definitely having that talk with them it's like yo you don't have to go there like you're wasting so much energy on this other person that you should just use all that extra energy to bettering yourself and then moving forward with your career it defines success you know that is the greater revenge that's like the better outcome to find your own fulfillment and happiness anyways <laughs> as far Thank as like recognition, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it, it leads into recognition and expectation you know people's expectations and I have a long spiel that I can get into. I don't know. Do you want it? <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it. Why not? Oh, my gosh. So I brought up workplace because that's what I'm struggling with, you know? And this whole idea, this, in order, in order to be happy, you have to deny the desire for recognition and stop stopping. Um, stopping? Am I using these words correctly? Am I even ready to talk right now? Essentially. <laughs> it's, such a, it's, it's such a heavy concept. I get it. <laughs> caught in your caught in your mouth well yeah so it's stopping oh, i keep saying the word stopping <laughs> don't satisfy other people's expectations that's what i want to say <laughs> <laughs> well so at work i have this partner guy and him and the supervisor pulled me into the office this week and they're like so, Kevin, are you excited to take the supervisor position? And I was like, I'm indifferent. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going with the flow. And then the supervisor, or not the supervisor, the partner guy is like, well, like, are, aren't you excited? Like, do you, do you, <laughs> he thinks that basically I'm not radiating, radiating confidence in him to be like, oh, yeah, Kevin's going to be a good candidate to be the supervisor. So he went on this whole spiel about believing in yourself and like you got to believe that you're capable of doing something because if you don't believe that you're capable of 
capable of doing something, then yeah, you might not be the greatest fit for this job, this position. And then it's a whole thing about self-confidence and like all this, all this stuff, man. (laughs) And I'm just standing there and I'm going through my head. I'm like, yeah, I have that. Yes, I have that. Yeah, definitely have that. (laughs) Like, I don't need to be told this because it's already being applied to what we're doing right now in this podcast and other ventures like my acting, my venture into editing, and then, of course, the podcast. He goes on to say that you got to be able to upsell yourself, talk about what you're capable of, like what you're good at and stuff like that, because that's how he was able to become partner of this company. And I'm just being, I'm just sitting there in agreement, but I don't know what to say because I can't actually say the things that I'm actually pursuing. And his expectation is that I need to love this job in order to do the job or get the tasks done. In my mind, I don't know, man. I'm not afraid of like to do this work or whatever. I'm just here for the money. (laughs) Yeah. But what I'm getting at is I'm just offended. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I'm offended because like it's, it's these things that he's misdiagnosing through my, I guess I don't, I'm not very expressive. I kind of have like a stoic face, I guess. And I wasn't lying when I said I'm indifferent to the job. It doesn't mean I'm incapable of doing the job. He's just interpreting this as like a lack of confidence and too afraid to take the job, I guess. And um, my supervisor was also there and he was talking to him. He was like fluffing me up. He's like, yeah, he's, I think Kevin's really capable and he's like doing everything like with ease, actually, it seems like. And then the partner guy kind of like cuts him off a little bit. And he's like stumps him. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think you meant to say like this, but I don't think you meant to say like this, but it sounded like you're making it sound like Kevin's our only hope, but I don't think you meant that. And in my head, I was like, Jesus, you kind of like, that's kind of like a, um, what'd you call it? Kind of like a different. Dick. <laughs> yeah. yeah <thank> you. <laughs> I was, I was trying to be nice about it. <laughs> No, I mean, the thing is, it's, it's the whole capitalist, or sorry, corporate environment where it sounds like this guy, hey, might have a superiority complex because he's able to do these things. But I don't think he understands that this isn't, it, it isn't, it's just a means to an end for you. Again, it's just getting that paycheck. It's not like you're striving to be a supervisor and then you're going to strive to do something else above that there and stuff like that. And I think that's what he wants to hear. And I, I, I get that all the time too at my work. Um, like same thing. Like I actually don't care if I move up in my place either. So it's funny to hear you go through this and um, again, have these experiences, which is kind of sad because, you know, they're placing expectations on you and you're choosing not to satisfy them. And this is where we get into, again, separating of tasks, right? Tasks doesn't mean a physical thing either. It could be emotional or mental, uh, so the fact that the partner is honestly berating you now yeah. and trying to get a rise out of you, trying to get you to say something, trying to defend you funny. Cause you're reacting the way that the philosopher would suggest and saying that, well, technically you can feel how you want. However, it's your task to manage your own feelings because I don't care. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah, for like, me, I, myself, my task is moving forward from this job, not moving up in the job. The insane thing is that he said so many offensive things in there. And I, I in my mind, I was like, do I cut him off? Do I not cut him off? Do I say something? Do I like 
burst out into anger. But then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to listen to this and move on. Because it's, I think that I was so offended to kind of, not so offended. I was just, I have bigger plans than this. It's <laughs> <is, is, laughs> kind of like the main thing, you know? And it bothered me because he was like, oh, you're just easygoing, right? And I was like, yeah, I just agreed with it. Because, you know, I like I'm still here. It doesn't mean I'm a shitty worker. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still going to do a good job. I'm still going to, like, do what I need to when I'm clocked in. I guess, like, he wanted, I don't know, like, what he's trying to do. But <laughs> he he's like, Kevin, you need to, like, be able to upsell yourself for the position more. Like, that's how I got this job. Like, that's uh, the CEO. I was able to see things that he couldn't see. And I'm, like, a data analyst type of guy. Like, I, I'm confident and saying that I'm good at doing my job. That's how I was able to be here and partner up with this company. And he's like fluffing himself up. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> I didn't say anything, but I was like, that's cool, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> looked at him, <laughs> gave him like a blank face. Is like, are you done? <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's so cool to hear you say that because it's a difficult concept in the book to try to do is allow someone else to, again, go off on their whole spiel and, try to manage his own feelings and stuff. And again, it has nothing to do with you essentially. And he's just mad that you're just not reacting to the, in the way that he would want you to react even, you know, he just wants a reaction in general. (laughs) I think the most offensive thing that he said in that moment was like, does anything excite you? And I was like, yeah, just not this job. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, what the fuck kind of question is that? Does anything excite you? I was, I was like, it was an offense of me as like a human being as like a person of i don't have to like this job like i you know (laughs) you think i aspire to be supervisor of a warehouse (laughs) like like, no and i never actually we actually never sat down to talk about like my goals and stuff like that because he was hired because i was already hired on before this partner became partner so we never had that conversation but He's skipping all those steps and then asking me these further down questions or I don't know, not further down questions per se. But if he asked me what my goal was, I would have given him a straight answer. (laughs) All all in all, I think I figured out that, you know, I'm just not happy at this job. (laughs) And and like the, the funny thing is maybe if I selectively point out what my coworkers have been, you know, pointing out for me is like oh kevin you look annoyed or kevin do you you look sad are you okay and if i kind of just analyze those expressions objectively or not yeah objectively then it's like oh yeah maybe i don't like this job i'm unhappy here (laughs) therefore i'm gonna not be here anymore (laughs) it's just so funny like people we don't know his background so i won't assume anything i'm gonna talk in generality here but this goes into another concept that I'm just going to present out there as well is, is the idea of rebuking someone or praising someone. And that's what he really wants to get a rise out is that he wants you to praise yourself. And again, you know, in an attempt to sell yourself to him. However, Illyrian philosophy and the, the, the philosopher himself says it best. He said that in an act of praise, there's an aspect of it being a passing of judgment of another person's ability or, you know, vice versa. And so when, you know, in a different concept, when a mother 
gets help from her kid or whatever and she says oh you're doing such a good job that means that you're pushing again this level of vertical relationship onto them meaning that i'm superior to you you're doing a good job because i know i could have done a good job and i'm glad to see you met my level that's exactly what he's trying to do there hey, and of bro course, like, oh my gosh it's crazy dude. to hear I'm, I'm glad you you like you moved it forward because <laughs> the oh my gosh he said i believe that you can do it kevin and he believes that you can do it kevin but do you believe that you're capable of doing it kevin and then that's when he went into the upselling marketing type of spiel but the fact that you brought it up now reminded me that of that moment in the book where it's like wow how come this praise makes me feel belittled yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah he's belittling you and like that's what i found kind of interesting too it's like wow how come praise doesn't feel good and I didn't say anything. I was just like, hmm, I don't, <laughs> you know, it's kind of that expression. I don't know. I just have an expressionless face, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but it is a very, very vertical relationship that he, that he is after. And therefore, maybe that's why I do get a sense of like not feeling appreciated or see the th the other thing is that it's not just me. It's also my coworkers. And I feel like there's a loss of morale and I don't know if my supervisor uh, senses it. Maybe he does. The, the problem too is that he's like loyal to the company. So I can't actually have a conversation like a real talk type of moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, like I feel like my coworkers and I feel like a loss of value in themselves working here. So I feel like they feel like they also want to quit. And that's bad. <laughs> if we lose more people, this company is going to just, well, it wouldn't crumble, but the partner is going to have to bust some ass. <laughs> it's going to struggle heavily. And if you if that happens and let's say all you guys quit at once. Well, that's probably part, not going to happen, but yeah. I'm just, yeah. It is a fear. Yeah, hypothetical. Hypothetical. If it happens, the best part of Valerian psychology uh, philosophy is that, again, separating tasks is that now... That's not on your plate. It's not on anyone's plate to care about what the company does or what they do specifically. And that's so freeing to me. So if it were to happen again, it would free, like I wouldn't feel bad. I'm sure you wouldn't feel bad if you left and a bunch of other people left. Of course, now again, it's on to you and your new task to find a new job or a way of making money, stuff like that. But because of that concept and me just thinking about what you're saying and if I were in your shoes or you know, in anybody else's shoes besides the partners, I would not feel bad leaving and leaving it to them. Like, I don't feel bad anymore about companies. So again, mm -hmm. I work at a really good place. I'm not saying like I take it for granted or anything. However, I also came to understand a long time ago, if I leave the company, the company still moves forward. All I am, even if they say it, all I am is just the number. Um, I'm here to fill a void. And once I'm gone, they're just going to do the same exact thing because that's what I did. I felt, I filled their void that they need at the time. I mean, it's, that's that's exactly it's, it's what I am. It's the loyalty thing. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, all, uh, that's all we are. Even even the partner, right? Like, the partner leaves, like... The well, I don't know partner. about that part. <laughs> I, I believe it, though. You know? Like, it doesn't yeah, matter. <laughs> it's true. That, it's... The, look, the reason why I'm even, like, in a position of possibly becoming a supervisor right now is because the supervisor is leaving. There's a void. Exactly. That's going to happen. And they're looking to me 
because I am capable or whatever. It's just, I'm not excited to do it, but I'll do it. <laughs> so loyalty to the company, guys, don't, don't feel like you're loyal. Or the company, any company is also not loyal to you because they will do whatever is best for the company specifically. That's a harsh reality. Like, don't feel like anyone is good because you've worked there for 20 something years, you know, like who cares? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter because you could get fired and then get hire someone cheaper labor who's willing to do it out there. So again, all this to say it's a hierarchical kind hierarchical. of relationship and hi- hierarchical, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it is, it's a word. We we know it's a vertical relationship. It's a vertical thing. Do you want to talk about a horizontal relationship then? Like, how would you create a horizontal relationship in this case for you, if you wanted to? If in this case, oh my gosh, it's impossible, and not not in a. All right, as far as horizontal relationships go, it would be more so how uh, you and I started this podcast. It's just like sharing of tasks and doing whatever like there was a frustration beginning of this week when i was like i took the monday off to kind of just work on this podcast some more and then you finally like hopped on the ride and then started to give yourself tasks to do that would be more of a horizontal relationship because it's not like it's not i'm superior and you're superior or you know vice versa and inferiority or whatever it's like we have to find flaws in each other's relationships and then fill those gaps you know what i'm saying so like you're good at this boom you do that and then but you're bad at this thing so i'm gonna do that i'm bad at these things so you do those you know like that equality is existing on like that same plane you know whereas in a hierarchical (laughs) Hierarchical. <laughs> we cannot say this word. I think that's another thing we're coming to understand. <laughs> yeah. So the problem with normal jobs, well, I don't know about normal jobs. What does that even mean? Anyways, <laughs> a wage job, there's a hierarchy for sure. So it's impossible to have a horizontal relationship with the partner because he has a value in his mind of how much a person is worth doing this certain task. Therefore, when a person asks for a raise, they ain't gonna get it because I did ask for a raise (laughs) (laughs) and I didn't get it. (laughs) Well, the only way, the only way for me to get a raise is if I get this supervisor position. And of course there's like, there's a, there's a bunch of like verbalizations that are, that's a version of no, um, as far as getting a raise, it's like, oh, have you been showing up on time? Or, oh, you called in this many times or whatever. When the supervisor pointed those traits out, I realized that he doesn't actually value the work being done at work. He values like this superficial professionalism because someone can be punctual all the time. Someone can always show up to work and never call out. But then when they are at work, they accomplish so little. So then, but then they meet the requirements to get the raise. You know what I'm saying? Like the value there doesn't, I don't agree with it. It's like, I want people here, but I want them to get a lot done and therefore they deserve a raise. I don't care if they're late by a little bit. They're here and they bust ass, you know? Yeah. Bringing up the idea of value too is uh, an interesting topic because it's so superficial and it's dependent on one person's opinion or another, like a group of people's opinions essentially too, especially when we talk about the workplace, like, 
you know, your value essentially is how much you get paid and your title. So if you have a specific title and you get paid a specific amount, people place a certain amount of respect onto you. And so it's kind of, it sucks because, you know, that's the society that we live in is, and everything. But I appreciate the book opening the idea of not caring about people's or not satisfying people's expectations because that throws it all out the window. And if you focus on yourself and you only care about what you make and what you can do for yourself, it's there's a, like a weight that comes off your shoulders. And I'm sure you feel it too, because again, you're not giving in to his attempts to rile you up. You're just like, I'm just going to keep moving forward. And again, whatever happens, happens, because that's how you live in the moment. Another thing that this book teaches really well is that you got to live in the moment. I mentioned before, the past and the future does not exist. And you can spend time creating goals for yourself. That's fine. You can also think and prepare as much as you can. But the only thing that truly matters is what happens right here, right now, because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We also can't control or change the past. So why not think of it as, again, like those two don't exist. And for me, the concept of not thinking about the future is so hard because I'm I'm such a preparer and that comes from my parents. I understand that very heavily in myself and something that, again, people in, in your shoes, if they were to quit because they're unhappy, what happens next? Everyone would think that. I think that now, like, what if I get dropped from my company today? What would I do? Like, can I find a job that pays just as well with a good benefit, you know, with good benefits and a good environment? Who knows? And that's still something I'm battling with day to day because again, yeah, I'm, I've been taught to save a certain amount of money just in case your car breaks down or whatever and things like that. And the way that this book has taught me to think now, which I'm trying to practice more and more, is <laughs> that instead of thinking I have to save money, for example, for a moment where my car will break down, I'm trying to think I'm trying to save money now. If I cut all that out, if I cut out what's to happen it makes it so much easier for me to not stress out or worry about that moment because it hasn't happened yet and it'll, and my wife reminds me all the time like i cannot prepare for everything like if we have a kid you know i always give her hypotheticals and she says you cannot say that you can't think that way because it hasn't happened yet and it's such a difficult concept for me and i think about again being in your shoes if i were to quit or again let go for whatever reason what would i do the best part, as we've been talking about, is you don't have to technically do anything for the future, but in the moment, what is it you're going to decide to do? Let's say you get fired. Are you going to give yourself a day to just play games and relax and decompress? Or are you going to choose then and there to look for a job right away? And that's what living in the moment is and, and focusing on the present. Interesting. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's building the behavior that, you know, you're you're going to continue to be successful regardless of what's what's happening. And that's kind of that's something that I've been trying to do. Like I try to what I've been doing is clocking out from work from the day job, coming home, eat, and then I immediately start editing or start planning for these social media things because I can't like I really want to swerve away from that day job like I mentioned before that wages aren't really linear and I think a better metaphor for that would be they're the kind of like stair steps you know 
Because sure, you're like this flat line. And then if you do get that raise, you hop up a little platform and then you stay flat line and then you stay flat line until you ask for another raise. But then that employer has the option to tell you no. And then you stay flat line. So it's never like linear. <laughs> you're just flat line. So I don't know if I do, if I will get this supervisor position. Like that's still 20 days away. Like this partner guy that's pressuring me is like, what, are you going to make me supervisor now? <laughs> Why are we talking about this so early? But, <laughs> but I'm trying to build that behavior so that I can just swerve away from the day job. And then if he does decide to find someone better, then go for it. I also don't care. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't, I wasn't sure if you already addressed it, but back to the whole praising and rebuking thing. I just want to reiterate that showing gratitude would be the best way of um, establishing a horizontal relationship. So, you know, look at how far we made it. And it's thanks for your work and my work contributing to this. I don't even know what we, we call this. oh yeah and yeah good good reminder you're right so to to go against rebuking or praising is to give gratitude and showing that you appreciate the other person's work that's the main way and so same thing you know i think the podcast works right now because we kind of found a rhythm and things that we do best and it's not so much that we like to do but again things that we do best and how we support each other and so you know, we found again, this horizontal relationship and it's really amazing to hear a thank you. Cause uh, again, I'm a words of affirmation guy. You know, I love being praised and after reading this book, <laughs> but now you're going to build a vertical relationship. <laughs> and, and now in this book, I was like, exactly. is it that, is it praise that I truly want or is it gratitude? And the more I think about it is like, yeah, actually, you know what? I kind of want this gratitude. I just want people to say thank you for me doing my work and i know that's also like a bit of me going out there and looking for um someone to say that but again you know i'm trying to separate those two as best i can because it's not up to me to make someone else show gratitude towards what i do (laughs) you know the best thing you can do for yourself and this is something uh since you brought it up uh, i want to point out is that you can also show gratitude to yourself try your best to not show you know to not strive for self-affirmation actually try to go and strive for self-acceptance because you're always going to change so you your affirmations also are going to change but if you accept yourself the way you are you know physically mentally emotionally whatever it's going to be easier for you to show gratitude to yourself that's something i wanted to add to that too is that you know it's important to show gratitude for yourself so um yeah well (laughs) Great example. <laughs> yeah, well, we are where we are because of, you know, this is exactly what we are. So the sooner you accept it and you're accepting yourself fully allows you to grow with that, with whatever's coming, whatever's changing. And that's exactly that. <laughs> no one's perfect and you can no change. <laughs> you can always change. Being this... perfect is just a stupid concept. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exist. And, you know, like, look at all the social media influencers, like Mr. Beast, like he was, could you actually look at him and be like, oh, yeah, he's perfect. He's like, no, he, he's been going at it for a long time, and then always changing and improving and reflecting. So this book was a big self reflection. 
<laughs> yeah. And since we since you brought up Mr. Beast, let's let's point out someone else who uh that we like. <laughs> I'm gonna put out Anna Darmus, right? I understand that again, she's <laughs> gorgeous and whatever, but she's not like the perfect person either, just because someone looks great. <laughs> so yeah, it's time going <laughs> off of that example. There's no there's no such thing as perfect. Stop striving for it. Yeah. And the crazy thing is like after reaching the end of the book, this is actually the second time I read it. So these are like the concepts that kind of hit harder or yeah, hit harder because back then I only took at, took it more superficially about the whole emotion process. Like you don't have to be angry or all that, you know? So I did become less angry of a person. <laughs> <laughs> I know she said less angry, <laughs> less angry. <laughs> People still get angry. It's part of being human. It's human, yeah, yeah. I well, you know, to my partner, I'm not really human. Nothing excites me. <laughs> Apparently. Oh man, but like I, it was hit, reaching the end of this book, and then I remember texting you. I think it was yesterday morning. I was like, "Yo, wake up!" All the the, the, the juices like, are flowing. The juices are flowing because I hit that. I hit that realization of like, oh. As far as gratitude and stuff like that, like I don't think I would have been able to do another podcast with someone different. I was bouncing that idea in my head. I was like, could I actually do this podcast with someone else? It's like, no, because then we always talk all the time. So then that's when I was like, oh, wait, there's so many other topics that we can talk about. And then that's when I like threw it at you in the morning. I threw like seven texts or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> It was all good ideas too that I was like, man, it's... I know we talked about it before, like a long time ago, where we're like, oh, yeah, we should talk about these things. And then when you brought it up, I was like, oh, of course. I don't know why we didn't think about that before. <laughs> like, exactly. I was like, it's so cool. Like, I agree. Like, I, if it were anyone else, it would be difficult. And I know that because it's hard to find someone on the same, same wavelength as you. And this is <laughs> another point, just, you know, just because we're talking about this book here. Yeah. We want to, <laughs> find like the best way to live your life is through community feeling and this is something that i still don't understand fully hopefully i can explain it but it's essentially doing work that fulfills you that also pushes the community forward and when i think about that compared to our podcast i, I think that's why it works because you and i again we have this bonded interest in talking about media everything media uh, and a lot of different things that again just intrigue us you know piques our curiosity and we used to just text all the time like literally like the last four years we text about movies and shows and, and you know every so often books or a, a post that we see and now we're finding our voice to to put out there and it feels like we're starting little by little to get that community feeling for us you know like again this is how we contribute to our community while also fulfilling ourselves the uh, crazy so thing yeah the crazy yeah. thing is it's also reiterating what we were talking about earlier about those small changes or in the moment thing like the fact that we did actually continuously talk for so long like every day made it easy to be like man we should just start a podcast you know what fuck it we should do a podcast and then it, that's <laughs> like if we didn't do the consistent uh back and forth then I don't think it would have been easy to say, hey, let's start a podcast. You know what? Maybe we should start a podcast. And then, you know, there's, we don't have that momentum. So living in the present and then being able to 
build those habits or stay in discipline or whatever word you need. <laughs> <laughs> However you want to coin it. Yeah. Is you know, you gotta make small changes now in order to make big changes later. Yeah. And I'm just gonna continue to pull out moments from this book because it keeps applying to our talk and uh, we keep saying moments. And there's another thing in here that talks about life being a series of moments. And I think that's what led us up to creating this podcast. Again, because we had those a ton of moments where we talk about things and sit down and just discuss and challenge each other even, uh, break down a lot of ideals. And and now it's led up again to this moment when we took the present hand and we were like, ah, yeah, let's do the podcast. Now we're here. And again, just continuing, I'm just going to put out there that it was very difficult for us. And, you know, I'll talk for myself specifically and you can go into it for you if you want, because there are three courages, I would say, uh, that they bring up in this book. It's the, you know, being, sorry, it's having the courage to be disliked, which leads to the courage to be happy, which also technically leads into the courage to be normal. And I shouldn't say leads because they're all essentially on the same, they're horizontal. <laughs> so they're <laughs> all the same equal playing field. But I was nervous for sure doing a podcast because it, let's be honest, it, it, you know, we're discussing a lot of things that other podcasts are already discussing. Um, and we're doing a lot that we have to ask ourselves, like, how are we going to be different? How are we going to add value that other people don't? After a little bit, again, thinking about this book, at some point, maybe naturally, we kind of got past that point of like caring that it might be the same as something else. And again, it might be disliked because of how we're doing it. That's totally fine because I think how we're doing it has made us happy so far with the podcast. We're always going to continue to improve. Don't get us wrong. It's not like we found our baseline <laughs> or anything, but we're always going to continue to improve. And then sooner or later, it's going to turn normal for us to just keep dishing out these podcasts, the episodes and things that we want to talk about that excites us. Yeah. Like, especially the, like being the, being disliked is the main fear of not trying something new. I suppose it's definitely what I kind of coined in this past week or so is like done is better than perfect. <laughs> so for us to just crank these out and get them out, it's like, you know what, just do it because not a lot of people, we don't have a big community yet, and we're working towards that. But it's also, who cares? <laughs> we're we're going to make <laughs> yeah. the next episode better than the last, hopefully. You know, it's a work in progress. We can't be, we can't, there's no way we're going to reach that super, super high expectation of a Joe Rogan podcast or something like that overnight. And most certainly, probably not like the first 200 <laughs> episodes if we make it that far you know it's we don't <laughs> yeah. know there's so who much knows? who knows <laughs> who knows in the future we're not looking that far forward <laughs> you know just you know have fun and then <laughs> oh yeah also we all we wanted the podcast to kind of grow on its own like there's originally we thought about just doing movies books and tv shows but then it's we want to do we talk about more than just those <laughs> those things mm. so hopefully next week we can bring something different and more <laughs> more interests wait next week is crime uh, week <laughs> crime week there we go see uh i didn't know if you wanted to bring it up but crime week is what we have <laughs> listed as our week and it just so happens that all the mediums that we want to talk about has to do with crime so <laughs> yeah well it's it's nice to ride this flow of like what we're passionate and 
passionate for in the moment, you know? So if we have a lot of energy for like this type of topic, let's just do it, you know? Like I do have an outline for what we were going to talk about, but I'm also down to just put it aside <laughs> as long as yeah. we have something. <laughs> as long as we have something. And again, I'm just going to finish off the book because this yeah. is just such good segues, you know, like such natural segues. And I understand me pointing it out doesn't make it as natural, but <laughs> okay. um. But right now, what's nice is that we're shining a light on the here now and living like we're dancing. Because when you dance, essentially, you just move, right? No matter what, you're moving. That's what life is. You keep on moving. You are gonna. You might go forwards. You might go backwards. You just don't know where you're going to end up. That's like the best. That's like one of my favorite quotes from this whole book. And not because I'm just, you know, I used to be a dancer in a past life. But <laughs> live like you're it dancing. Sounds a little so biased. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to end on. Uh, um, but living like you're dancing just makes sense because you're always moving no matter what. And again, there's no direction either. It's free. It's it's whatever you feel like you need to do in that moment. And you're expressing yourself. And that's why I want to, again, round this whole thing out because we mentioned like, we had an idea for what the podcast was going to be like and what we want to talk about, but now it's turning into something way much more, way much more, so much more fulfilling because we don't have kind of like a set line uh, of what it's to be. And again, that could hurt us. <laughs> it could help us, but either way. <laughs> well, what I you like mean is like, going. it's not absolute. Like, like yes. we're not pushing ourselves to do, we must do this, this, and this. It's more so, this is what we have lined up, but you know, how do you feel about it before we start, before we follow through? So there's a bunch of stuff that we have, you know, ideas wise, and it's like conversations about whether we should have it implemented or not, or should we swerve here or there, or whatever. So hopefully it's fun for us and also you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not just for us. Yeah. It is no, for know, us, but also it is for you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Like, don't forget, like, we're not going to forget to show gratitude to everyone who supported us now. It's super cool to see our numbers go up. Uh, go oh, yeah. Up super because, fun. Like, Way better than my stocks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not mention that, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, we keep an eye on our data pretty often. And we got excited when we hit 100. Like, we have 100 listeners, so, you know, total on our episodes. And whether it continues to grow up, uh, go up as fast as it has been uh who knows but either way like we're hitting such i don't know like i'm just so happy to see that grow you know like hopefully putting out value and that's you know what we really want slowly but surely slowly but surely <laughs> well is there anything else you want to add to this i think i think we touched on everything again yeah, no, it is just whoa, it's whoa, a whoa. Really interesting book. not everything oh. Oh, we okay, only okay. <laughs> no 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 it's you're right there's like the book is really dense and there's a ton of concepts in here that we can't really fully talk about because it's tough to absorb it all in one go so we're what we talked about for this episode are the main ones that resonated the most with us but i'm sure if we read it again it's going to be a different thing that hit us you know so if you like what we talked about and you want to know more read the book read the <laughs> hopefully book, please <laughs> yeah hopefully it's a positive impact for you as well yeah yeah i'm sure you'll learn something <laughs> <laughs> all right that's it for this episode thank you for joining us as we discuss and discuss the courage to be disliked i've been kevin and i've been derek 
follow us for more content coming at you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>